Blue Wire. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. We are joined today by ESPN's Nick Wagoner. Nick covers the 49ers for ESPN, so of course we start your last 2019 Fangirl Playbook by discussing the epic Sunday night football game between the Niners and the Seahawks and why a rubber match may just be written in the stars. We preview Wild Card Weekend and talk about the coaching firings and potential hirings to come. This podcast is sponsored by Untuck It. And with that, let's get to it, fangirls. All right, Steph, I'm very excited about our guest today. We have ESPN's Nick Wagoner. He covers the 49ers, and he was kind of us kind enough to not only join us on New Year's Eve, but also to join us on his birthday. Happy birthday, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, happy to be here. And, and, and it's a nice, it's a nice way to spend my birthday. So, uh, as as I told you before, I'm I'm pretty lazy at this old age. So if I can if I can find a way to not be active and do something on, on my birthday and New Year's Eve, it's a, it's a double win. So I appreciate. It. Well, thank you. We feel very honored to have you. <laughs> um, we are going to jump right in and talk about a game close to all of our hearts. Uh, Stephanie's a big. 49ers fan as well as a Jaguars fan, as I think most everybody knows. I am 49ers fangirl, so by definition, I am a fan, um, and and I cover the 49ers, and Nick, as I said, covers the 49ers. So let's talk about that Seahawks-Niners game, and really the turnaround of the 49ers. This is a team that obviously did a lot of losing in the first couple years of the Shanahan-Lynch era. Now has the number one seed in the NFC, the bye week, home field advantage, and uh, it's just it's pretty incredible. So let's talk a little bit about that game. Nick, I'm going to start by turning that over to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, the biggest thing you take away there, obviously the stakes were so big, and, and we knew that going in, and there was a lot of, of just kind of external factors too in terms of, you know, the Niners, that's kind of been their house of horrors, and the Seahawks have been their boogeymen, when, at least in, in terms of going up to Seattle. And so finding a way to go up there and win a huge game with so much on the line was, was a really big step in the right direction. And I think if you're, if you're talking about regular season wins, the Niners have really compiled some big ones here and they found, you know, they've talked all year about how they do it in unique ways and every week is different and all that kind of thing. But here recently they've been on a run of, of these really tight games that come down to a last second field goal or last second play, whatever it is. And they're finding ways to win those games. You know, they, they did drop a couple of them, the Baltimore game and, and certainly the Atlanta game. But they're finding ways to win them and the ones that really matter, particularly I look at New Orleans and in this past week and what it sets them up for is really important. And it's another sign of their progress because, yes, the record is the obvious sign of turnaround. But, you know, those first couple of years, they lost a bunch of games. I think it was 11 one possession games that they lost in the first two years. And now they're finding ways to win those games. And it's not just the big name guys who they've brought in to close those games out that are doing it. You get kind of unlikely heroes like Drake Greenlaw. And I think that really bodes well for them because as Kyle Shanahan is always quick to point out, you know, you don't get a seven game series when you get to the postseason. you get one shot at that thing and anything can happen in those games. So if you found yourself in different situations throughout the course of the year, it kind of puts you in position to be prepared for just about anything. And I don't think every team in the league has the ability to say that. And so uh, it was a big win in a, in a lot of ways for the Niners. I personally think getting the bye and getting the opportunity to get some guys healthy uh, is really big for them. They had, you know, their bye was way back in, in week four. And so now they have that chance to kind of rest and, and get back is really important for them just as much as anything else, even including home field advantage and all that other stuff. 
And maybe the best post-game question the other day was Nick Wagoner saying to Jimmy Garoppolo, I think your bye was back in 1981, um, and you got a chuckle out of me, and you got a chuckle out of Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> it's a good job, Nick. Yes. In 1981, by the way, just going back to the it's, it's Nick's birthday thing, that was actually my year of birth. I didn't do that on purpose, but it just kind of <laughs> worked out that way. So maybe it was a subconscious thing. Your so. birthday's really been on your brain, which is totally fair. Um, <laughs> yes, and I'm celebrating it in such a huge way, obviously. So it's, uh... <laughs> Fangirl Playbook, there is no better way to celebrate That's one's it. birthday exactly. than with Fangirl Playbook. Exactly. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, so you talked a lot about, obviously, the the strides the 49ers have made in the last three years. I think we're seeing teams kind of look at the 49ers and, and how they've rebuilt this team and, and wanting to emulate that. I want to talk a little bit about specifically the Cleveland Browns because they're talking to 49ers assistants. But first, it's the day after the quote-unquote Black Monday. We've seen a couple coach firings. But, Stephanie, your team, first Doug Marone was out. Now Doug Marone is staying. I think it's probably the right move. It sounds like maybe the issues were more with Tom Coughlin. But what are your feelings on that as Jaguars fangirl? Yeah, um, definitely. I think uh, he just has a really, you know, Tom Coughlin's very talented. You know, he what he did with the Giants was pretty incredible. Coming to the Jaguars, he had a lot of good draft picks, but, you know, you think about, like, Fowler leaving and also Jalen Ramsey and all the NFLPA, um, all the things that have happened, this really, like, hard-nosed um his just his mantra you know it seems like that really was the biggest problem with the Jaguars not necessarily the coaching but he just had so much control of like every facet of it I I think that you know I I don't have a problem so much with Marone um but keeping the players happy is a big thing and I I think you know they're definitely re looking at everything there but um you know, I I kind of figured he was staying. Okay. Well, he is, so that's good. Uh, so, so so that's that's good news. Of course, I don't want to talk too much about the Jaguars because we have bigger fish to fry at this moment. Uh, but I'd be interesting to see what happens in their quarterbacking situation. But we will bring that up on next year's NFL preview, Fangirl Playbook. For now, uh, back to the Cleveland Browns and multiple 49ers assistants. Nick, I am going to turn that one back to you. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, we, we got news on, on Monday that Robert Sala was getting an interview with the Browns to be their head coach, which isn't isn't a surprise. You know, Sala's name really since about midseason had been coming up as a potential guy who, who was going to land uh, opportunities in various places after the season. But uh, then on Tuesday, you know, you hear that, that uh, Mike LaFleur is now in the mix and Mike McDaniel is now in the mix. You know, the two Niners coordinators who are coordinators in the sense of drawing up the game plans they don't of course call the plays for the 49ers but but key offensive minds for Kyle Shanahan and really some of his kind of his closest confidants uh, on this staff guys that he's been with a long time and really integral in helping him build his offense out and continue to evolve and adapt and all the things that they do well and so uh, Cleveland going to interview. They're going to be busy out here in the Bay Area this week. They're going to interview all three of those guys. And I think there's a couple of ways you can look at that. First of all, I think if 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 you're a team that really wants to just, if nothing else, even if you're not going to hire any of these guys, you want to understand some of these teams that are forward thinking and the way that they've gone about building things. 
you you would you'd be wise to talk to all three of those guys at least pick their brains kind of figure out where they're at even if you don't think that they're ready for head coaching jobs you've you've got some ideas and things that you can incorporate into what you're trying to do I think there's probably some of that going on with the Browns here and then the other thing I think you have to look at here is is there a possibility that if you're if you're really interested in say hiring uh, Robert Sala and and Sala can really only his the only move up for him is to be a head coach because he's a coordinator right now. You you talk to these two these two offensive minds in McDaniel and Lafleur as a potential offensive coordinator uh, because they can actually move up into an offensive coordinator job so long as it's one that comes with play calling duties because if you remember last year Kyle Shanahan rejected the opportunity for. LaFleur to potentially go with his brother to Green Bay because it was considered a lateral move. He wouldn't have had play calling duties. So uh, there could be teams out there that are looking at, at Salah as a head coaching candidate and maybe want to bring LaFleur McDaniel along as offensive coordinator and turn over the play calling duties that way. So there's a couple of things at play here. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think that with Salah in particular, we knew he was going to be a candidate and he's the kind of guy and, and you both have seen and heard from him a lot. I think he's a really impressive guy, and he's the kind of guy who, even if maybe he's not quite ready to be a head coach, if you get him in a room in an interview situation, he could potentially blow someone away and, and end up getting a job. That wouldn't that wouldn't completely surprise me. So um, I'll be curious to see if he gets a, gets a few more opportunities. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan would like to see all of his staff intact again next year. But uh, one of the byproducts of being a good team is that people are going to come for your players and people are going to come for your coaches. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, even if you have to replace those guys somewhere down the line. Yeah, I was going to say it's the blessing and the curse of success. That that is just, you know, that, that's part of the NFL. And I agree with you that I think Robert Sala would totally blow someone away in an interview room. And I also think Robert Sala is smart enough and talented enough that he would surround himself with a staff that would make up for any, you know, you said he may not be ready to be a head coach that would make up for any, I hate to use the word deficiency. I just can't think of a better word right now because it's new year's Eve and your birthday. And I just have too much going on in my head, but uh, that would, you know, make up for any of that. So that'll, it will be very interesting to see. I think there's a high likelihood we see him as a head coach of another team next year and, and not the defensive coordinator of 49ers which will be a very big loss. And to your point, Nick, they could also lose a couple very important offensive assistants. So like we said, the blessing and the curse, but that's the business of the NFL, guys. There's my deep thought of the day. Before we preview, <laughs> that's it. That's what you guys get. So sorry. Before we go ahead and preview this weekend's wild card weekend of games, we are going to take a moment to hear from our sponsor. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. 
Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about the 49ers and the NFC, so I am going to have a start by previewing the AFC. The New England Patriots got themselves in a bit of a pickle the other day, losing to the Miami Dolphins. This is my favorite quote. My mom, who does follow football, mainly, you know, me and the 49ers, said, are the Dolphins that good? I said, no, they're actually the worst team in football. And so she was shocked by that turn of events. So now the Patriots do not have a bye for the first time. Is it ever? Or they certainly have never won a Super Bowl without a bye. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that I think that's correct. I, I know it's a this is this is certainly that's something that's foreign to them over the past decade or so for sure. Yes, I think it's been ten years uh, at least. So they will be home, but they are playing the Titans, who are playing very hot. They have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, who one could argue is playing a lot better than Tom Brady right now, and I don't I don't think that you'd get much of an argument about that. Do we see the Patriots out in round one of the wild card? Personally, I, I think it's a really good chance. I mean, Tennessee, because I'm following the AFC a lot more closer now than covering the Jaguars, um, Tennessee, the way they play, and especially their run defense and their run game, it's really good. And the Patriots started off really hot, especially on defense, but Tennessee is now really coming into their own, and I potentially see a big upset there. Nick, what yeah, are your thoughts? I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Steph. I, I think there's a, I think there's a real chance that the Titans could win that game. Uh, that's a really, really physical football team. The Titans have, you know, you look at at Derrick Henry. You know, you hear George Kittle talk about how defenders will take creative angles uh, against against <laughs> him when he gets a full head of steam. Guys don't really want any part of him. Derrick Henry has some of the those same traits guys don't really want any part of him when he gets a, a full head of steam. And I think the other factor there too, and, and this can work both ways and some, to some extent, but I think it favors Tennessee more is Mike Vrabel has a lot of knowledge of the Patriots and what they do. You know, he was a big part of the early part of that dynasty. And now, and now he's in a, in a position where, where he's going to be playing them. And, and I, I think that's, if you look at the Patriots, as Steph mentioned, their defense was so good at the beginning of the year. Uh, then they started playing a little, uh, you know, a lot better teams actually, um, and they didn't take a huge step back, but I think you saw some work. You know, I, I just think back to that Baltimore game. I think it was a Sunday night game, and Baltimore just pounded them physically. And that's kind of the same. Tennessee's kind of built the same way. Now, they don't have the same weapon at quarterback like Lamar Jackson. I mean, let's face it, nobody does. But, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill's been very good. He's taking care of the ball. He makes big plays. And a lot of that spins off what they can do in the run game. And I think when you put that all together – I think there's a there's a chance there, especially with the Patriots looking as vulnerable as they have, uh, that there's a chance Tennessee could pull that off. It's really hard to actually just pre- out and out predict the Patriots are going to lose in the playoffs uh, because they they almost they they almost seem to never do that. Um, but if ever there's a time they've been right ripe for the picking, I think it's right now. I think I I agree with you guys. I think there's a high likelihood. I'm sure that we'll all be wrong and they will win a Super Bowl. But um, because that just seems to be they the way they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. They seem to have that voodoo. But I, I do believe that this is this may be the first time in a long time where they're out in the first round and there's some new blood. I know that Steph would like to see that. I think a lot of people would definitely like to see that. And you know, it would be interesting and it might be exciting to just see some some different teams playing. So. 
we'll keep an eye in, on that one. And then, of course, we have the Bills and the Texans uh, for this weekend. It's big uh, AFC East, AFC South wild card weekend here. Uh, that, I think, is going to be a really well-fought game. I am inclined to pick the Bills. Me too. Can, can, I, can, I, just, can, I, can I just say I feel like the Texans play the early Saturday playoff game every year, like for my they do. entire life. Every they're, year. They're like, You're 100% they, correct. Every year. The, they, they do. They always seem like they're that early Saturday game that maybe, like, you know, the casual football fan really doesn't care that much about. And, yeah, it, but I, I agree with you. I think that I think Buffalo has a, has a good shot to to win that one. They have a really good defense. Uh, McDermott has done a, and Brandon Bean have done a really good job rebuilding the Bills. And you know, I think I think there's still a ton of questions about Josh Allen, and then particularly in a playoff setting, how is he going to perform? Uh, but I, I, I'm a big Deshaun Watson guy too. I, I really like where he's his career is headed, and I think that if it wasn't for guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, Watson would probably be the guy that people talk about the most as maybe the most exciting young quarterback in the league. But I think if you look top to bottom, I'm with both of you. I think Buffalo has a good chance to go in there and win that game and prevent us from seeing Houston uh, playing in the postseason until Saturday of the first weekend next year. So uh, <laughs> that'll be that'll be good. Well, and listeners of this podcast know, and Nick, if you don't listen every week religiously, you will be forgiven, know that I do love Deshaun Watson, and he's kind of low-key one of my most favorite quarterbacks in the league, if not my favorite quarterback in the league. Uh, so it, it would it pains me to say that I think the Bills will win, but I, I just think they will. And back to the early Saturday game, I mean, no offense to Bills fans and Texans fans, but... That really is the casual football fan game that no one cares about. Like the Bills at the Texans, you know, that's people may not even know that game is going on. The casual fan might be like, what time is that Patriots game? Is there a game earlier in the day? <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I think you bring up a great point about Josh Allen. It's going to be very interesting to see how he does in a playoff game on the road against a good team. But I'm going, I'm going with the Bills. And I do think the Bills are potentially low-key an AFC team that you don't want to face in the playoffs. That could really surprise you uh, and surprise the people. So it'll be interesting to see how far they get uh, along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when, when you get to the postseason, everyone talks about this all the time, but what, what's the thing that, that carries over the most usually is, is a defense and a, and a run game, particularly for them. It's, it's their defense. And I think that that's what gives them the chance to, to be kind of a hassle for some of these teams too. And, you know, I, I it's funny you, you just brought up real quick, uh, Josh Allen and Sean Watson. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks. If you look at, the, at this playoffs who have kind of this, you know, how are they going to fare on the big stage thing? And because mm -hmm. there's so many of them, some of them are going to be guys who win their first playoff games. But I, I think it, it just kind of looking big picture at the entire postseason, you can, you can look up and down the list, whether it's Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, a lot of these guys where how are they going to do in the postseason is going to be kind of the thing. And so uh, it, it is hard sometimes to bet against, you know, we're talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's hard to bet against some of these other quarterbacks who maybe are more established and have been there. And there's not as many of them as there usually are. You know, it's, it's mostly just Brady, Breeze, Wilson. Those guys have obviously been through it. But aside from that, I think you could ask fair questions about a lot of the rest of those guys when it comes to the playoffs. Which is why I think you cannot count out the Seahawks because of Russell Wilson. But first, I do want to talk about the Vikings and the Saints, and then I want to get into the Seahawks-Eagles because I think that is going to actually be a – I know, I mean, I think it's going to be a really close game uh, for, for a variety of reasons. But first, let's talk Vikings and Saints. 
in my opinion, the Saints only lose this game if they decide not to play it. But and I, I just don't know that that's my that's to me the only way the Saints lose this game. Uh, and I, that's no offense to the Vikings. I just don't know that they're going to be nearly they're not nearly as good a team. They're in the playoffs on the it seems road. Seems like a again. little bit of offense to the Vikings, maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's it's more okay. Fair. It's maybe more of um of a compliment to Drew Brees, the Saints, but. Okay, fair. I, you know what? It's more of offense to to Kirk Cousins. I just have not seen anything out of him that makes me believe he can march into New Orleans in the Superdome <laughs> against Drew Brees and beat him. And listen, if he wants to prove me wrong, because I'm sure he's listening right now, he totally can. <laughs> but I just don't. I just haven't seen anything that makes me think that he can do that. And that Saints team, as we saw a few weeks ago, Niners, you know, bear like pulled out that win, that is an excellent football team, and that is a tough stadium to play in. That's Nick? true. Yeah. And I think the Vikings – oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Seth. No, go, go ahead, ahead, Seth. Yeah. Um, well, I think the – I mean, I think it's true. I mean, obviously the Saints are a very good football team. I mean, they're they're amazing, especially to go into, you know, New Orleans. But – the Vikings have shown it's all about matchups, and I think that the Vikings have shown some grit. So and Kirk Cousins at times. So you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still, you know, the edge does go to the Saints, obviously, but um, I don't, I don't think you should total. I don't think it's going to be a total blowout there. Well, you know, because I said it, it's going to be a very close last second <laughs> game, and Kirk Cousins will throw a game-winning touchdown, you know, in the in the waning <laughs> seconds, and the Vikings will win. Right. So. You're welcome, Vikings fangirl. Nick, uh, what you <laughs> well, that, that that's what that you know. That's what the Vikings. That's been the big thing with them is is you know who's going to be the guy that gets them over the top. And when they signed Kirk Cousins, that's exactly what he was supposed to be, right? He was supposed to be the guy who was kind of the last missing piece that gets them to the Super Bowl, and he hasn't done that so far. You know, even in just regular season games that are considered big games or prime time games, I don't I don't I remember exactly what the stat is, but. He hasn't fared very well, and the Vikings haven't won very many of those games. And so there's no He's question. He's 0-9 on ticket. Monday Night Football, just as a head. 0-9, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so expecting – you're right, expecting him to go in and beat the Saints, which, you know, to me, after seeing them in, in that Niners game and then what they did in the weeks that followed, it really seemed like it has all come together for the Saints at exactly the right time. And I think it's really interesting because I just remember last year in the postseason, Drew Brees looked like he was his gas tank was running low, if you remember. I mean, he was huh? he, some of the passes he was throwing as, as they got into the postseason were, were wounded ducks, and he, he was struggling. And I wondered if maybe this year having that little layoff, I know he was hurt, but just you know missing those five games that he missed actually helps him now because it seems like he's rounded into form and the offense has taken off at the right time because of that. And uh, just looking at, at the NFC playoffs as a whole, I thought the Saints were the scariest team, certainly the team that is the, big, the biggest challenger to the 49ers. And the, the good news for the 49ers was that they were able to get the one seed and it pushed the Saints all the way to a three seed and keeps them from having home field advantage because I think that's a, a little bit of a neutralizer in terms of that, this game obviously is in New Orleans, and I think you're right, you're right Tracy. There certainly have to be favorites and, and should be. But I also think that, that Steph made a good point in terms of it being about matchups, and I think there are ways that Minnesota could slow that game down. They can run the ball if Dalvin Cook is healthy. 
They can run the ball well enough to, you know, play play the best defense you can play against Drew Brees, which is keeping him on the sidelines and, and having a, a good running game and offense. So I think there are some things there. And, and you know, Minnesota did go in there and win on the, on the Minnesota, Minnesota Miracle of, a few years ago. I guess that was in Minnesota. But, yeah, but the, but there's – there's at least a little bit of history there uh, that, that maybe gives some of the guys that are still on that roster some confidence going in. So there's, I think there's some things that do play to Minnesota's favor, but they're going to have to really slow the game down, count on their running game, and, and keep Drew Brees on the sidelines to have any kind of chance there. And not to be dramatic, but should they pull it out, I think it does become a career-defining game for Kirk Cousins. If he can go in there and win this game, I do think all of a sudden that quiets all that he can't win the big game. He can't sure. get it done, uh, and then you know we'll see. But I just I don't have a, it, a lot of faith in it. And it could well, and it could go. It could be the thing that defines his time with the Vikings too, in terms of you know shortening it. Because if he mm-hmm. doesn't go in there and win, and they take another first round exit, you have to start wondering whether he's the guy that they're going to want to keep around long term. I think he's got one more year on his deal after this. But you know this is always the time, especially with quarterbacks, where you would start thinking about an extension if you wanted to keep him around. And so. If he doesn't go in there and win and, and he has a bad performance, uh, you know, the Vikings could start thinking about the future again. And, and we could see, you know, Kirk Cousins uh, be, uh, be on the free agent market again here a year from now. I think it also could be an interesting one for Mike Zimmer. If they have an early exit again, mm-hmm. do they start looking, you know, at a coaching change in Minnesota? Uh, and I would not be surprised if that happens. So. We'll see, but that's why they say, what's the phrase, any given Saturday? Oh, no, this one's Sunday. Never mind, we're back to any given Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> any, any given Saturday, especially the first Saturday of the playoffs, the Houston Texans will be involved. That's what, that, that's what we do know about the Saturday. <laughs> that, is, that is, it's the age-old, age-old saying, <laughs> saying it for years, but any given Sunday. It'll be, I think it probably will be a closer game than I give it credit for. You both have really convinced me of that, so thank you, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, we have the Seahawks at the Eagles, two teams that are so riddled with injury. Uh, you have a, But you do have an Eagles team that is somewhat hot going into the playoffs, but they do play in the NFC East and had a number of NFC East opponents, opponents in the last few weeks of the season. The Seahawks lost a few heading into the playoffs, have to travel to Philadelphia, so riddled with injuries, but of course have Russell Wilson, which is why they never can really be counted out. You know, I got to be honest, I don't quite know what to make of this game. I I do want to give it to the Seahawks because of Russell Wilson, but this is a it's going to be who's healthy is what I really think this one's coming down to. Which team is healthier? And at the moment, it's not looking good for either of them. So either of you are welcome to speak up on what you think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I'll yeah, start I with mean, you. I- Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you, if you look, you're, you're right. It's, it's a matter of which team is healthier. And if there's one team more banged up than Seattle right now, it's probably Philadelphia. I mean, they are just uh-huh. losing guys left and right. They just lost Brandon Brooks. They're all pro guard. Zach Ertz is banged up and that, you know, I think, I think Lane Johnson has a chance to get back, but you know, they're just, they're just up and down, especially at the skill positions. I mean, if you look at the guys who are playing wide receiver and running back for the Eagles right now, and I think they're getting Jordan Howard back this week, which is good for them, but, if you look at the guys that they've been running out there the last few weeks, it's legitimately people you've never heard of. And, and, mm-hmm. and other, other than, other than the people who pay really close attention to like the preseason games and, and things like that, that are Eagles fans, you, th- these are people that you've never heard of and they've still found a way to kind of 
eke their way into the postseason, and they seemed like they were, you know, gaining some chemistry with some of those guys and, and Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz has really been under fire a lot this year, and I think a lot of it is out of his control because, you know, he's basically throwing to me, and I, I don't run very good routes. The fast as hell, but just don't run good routes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I just, I, you know, it, I, that's the thing with the Eagles that makes it really hard to project who they are. And then if you look at Seattle, you brought it up. We saw it last week. They're still banged up. I think they're going to get Quandre Diggs back. You know, Clowney is playing, but he's banged up. Dwayne Brown's probably going to miss another game. Their running back situation is is what it is. So uh, it, it is it is really difficult to predict. I think it's one of those things where you just kind of have to look at the quarterbacks and say, which one of these guys do I trust more? Uh, you know, Russell Wilson is probably that guy. And I also think that there's a certain amount of like the football gods probably want to see a rubber match between the Seahawks and the 49ers, mm-hmm. um, which, which is, which would, which would be the case if the saints were to win their game and Seattle wins. Um, you know, I, I know that probably scares, you know, some Niners fans, not so much that they're scared of the Seahawks, but just the idea of losing to the Seahawks in the postseason probably doesn't appeal to many 49ers fans and vice versa. That works both ways, of course. Um, but I, but I just, it just feels like, and, and I think we talked about this probably, about mid-season where it started feeling like Niners-Seahawks in Week 17 was going to be as big a game as it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels the same way, like they're destined to play each other again and keep going back and forth. And um, so I, I'm kind of personally fully expecting it to play out that way. I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles win, but um, there does seem to, seem to be a certain element of destiny to all this too. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I'm sure that Fox is really hoping for that, especially because not only is it a big rivalry, but both of the games have been so good between the 49ers mm-hmm. and the Seahawks that they're 135 on Saturday. But I imagine that that's where football fans will be t- tuning in. I mean, that's going to if, if that is the case. And I agree with you. I think it is probably written in the stars. Um, but because of what I said about the Vikings, they're probably going to beat the Saints. And that just throws everything off. <laughs> 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 and that'll that'll ruin the whole plan. Steph, this is looking ahead, but as a 49er fan, uh, how frightened are you of a Seahawks 49ers divisional round matchup? What's crazy about it is I actually went to the game as a fan on Sunday, and I'm I'm super tired. So, but I went as a fan, um, and you know, in full 49er gear, the whole thing, and it was just it's just great fun to always go to Seattle and go there, and not entirely fun, but it's you know, it's good to see your team, but I really wanted to see that win. It's probably the last time I'm ever, I'm ever going to do that, but it was just really great to do it, but I don't want to do, I don't want to, I don't, I just hate Seattle. So I don't really, <laughs> there's a lot of emotion there. I mean, I, I don't know, just the last few years and the last matchup, it's just, there's a lot of emotion there. So I'd rather not, I'd rather not do it. <laughs> but I'm here but for mat- matchups wise and health wise, I, you know, I don't know if it would be as close a game it has has been in the past with the Four ers most likely having Jaquaski Tart back Jaquaski, and yeah. D Ford back and they're and rested. I just think I actually think that that would be a, it. I will not be a blowout. I don't think that's going to happen for these two teams in a, for a while. But I think it would maybe be a more comfortable win for the Niners, not coming down to a last second play from Dre Greenlaw, you know, that <laughs> was under review and flashbacks of Atlanta and all that. I do think it, it would be a more comfortable win, but again, that is why they play the game. 
Uh, but but we'll see. That'll be interesting. I just think that Seahawks Eagles game. It's just it's going to come down to health. And and like Nick, what you said, which quarterback do you trust more? And personally, I would trust Russell Wilson more. So I would say more likely than not, we are going to see a Seahawks 49ers divisional round game. And 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 if you look at the Seahawks season, I mean the the whole thing with them is you know their their point differential this year is really infinitesimal. I think it's their plus seven, which is insane to only be like plus seven in, in point differential when you have the record that they had to be 11 and five and your cumulative point differential is only, is only seven tells you how many close games that they've played in. And, you know, I think there's something to the way that the Seahawks have done it. You know, I, Pete Carroll talks about what the formula is and, you know, the way they run the ball and they're just not a team that's kind of built to blow anyone out, but They've mm-hmm. been in so many close games and they've won so many of them that it, it makes it feel like it's not an accident. You know, there's, there's, a, there's always that thing where you say, okay, it's going to normalize. It's going to normalize. And that can go either direction. You know, we, people said that about the Niners when they were losing all those close games we mentioned earlier over the last couple of years, like, oh, well, it's going to come back. You know, it's got to normalize at some point. Well, the Seahawks seem to do it on purpose, and I don't think there is any normalization that comes with that. Now, that's not to say they're always going to win close games, but it just says, that when they're in them, they're prepared for it, and they have, and 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 they're actually kind of planning for it, and and that gives them a leg up, uh, especially as you get into the postseason, where a lot of these games do are are very tight, and every and the teams are very evenly matched, and it comes down to the last second. I don't think Philadelphia is is tested, has been battle tested in that way, um, and and so certainly, you know, I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league that you would trust more than Russell Wilson towards the end of a game to go win it, um, unless of course, you know, they you know, are terrible at substituting and for some reason take a, a, a delay of game penalty that makes absolutely no sense. But other than Can't that, count to 40, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's actually what was so shocking about that. It's because the Seahawks have been in that situation so many times that the other night they made so many self-inflicted mistakes at the end of that game. It was, it was really, really kind of something to see it and very surprising in some ways, but uh, I still think that at the end of the day, when you're especially when you're looking at this Philadelphia game, and that's nothing against Carson Wentz. Like I said, he's been throwing to 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 nobody's basically for for a while here. But uh, I think Russell Wilson gives them a big leg up there. Yeah, I I would agree with that. So so it's probably written in the stars. So Steph, Four Niners fans, prepare yourselves. They're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna see the rubber match. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy birthday. Happy New Year, Fangirl Nation. But most importantly, happy birthday to Nick. <laughs> thanks thanks um, for having me. A pleasure, pleasure to be on. Absolutely. Uh, Steph, I will talk to you next week in 2020. Uh, it's been a great 2019 here at Fangirl Sports Network. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, all.